The following is a hoop ball presentation. Hello and welcome back to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks Team Coverage Podcast, formerly known as Hoop Ball Hawks. We cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia. It's Monday, January 23rd. The five-game winning streak is over. And according to the last two-minute report that reviewed Saturday night's disappointing loss to the Charlotte Hornets, And it's a report that's going to make a lot of Hawks fans mad. And it came out yesterday. And according to that report from Saturday Night's Loss versus Charlotte, the foul on Terry Rozier by Jalen Johnson on that second to last possession should not have been called a foul. And if you did not watch the game... The Hawks had a one-point lead. They had one possession to get a stop. They forced a tough three by Terry Rozier, who was draining a lot of threes on Saturday night. Very uncharacteristic for Terry Rozier. And it was called that Jalen Johnson fouled Terry Rozier on his three-point attempt, which resulted in three free throws that Terry Rozier ended up making to put the Hornets up by two. And that was ultimately the lead change, the final lead change before the eventual outcome of Charlotte beating the Hawks in State Farm Arena for the second time this year without their bigger stars on the team, 122-118. to Very, very disappointing finish and... This is going to be called the woulda, coulda, shoulda game. Because, yeah, if they would have gotten that call right, which was a no call, the Hawks would have a six-game winning streak coming into tonight's contest versus the Chicago Bulls. Now, you have a bad taste in your mouth losing to a 13-win Charlotte Hornets team at home for the second time this year. And the tune has changed just a tad bit, but... We're not going to take away from the five-game winning streak. It did a lot for the team's confidence and change of morale, and we found some things that were working and are working now in the midst of the Hawks playing very well these last 10 games, basically. But there's some things that the Hawks could have done in that Charlotte Hornets game that wouldn't even put them in that position if they would have just taken care of business in the second half. But we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But right now, as it stands, your Hawks sit at eighth in the Eastern Conference at a record of 24 and 23. As I said, the last 10 games, they've won seven of 10. They sit a half a game behind the New York Knicks, who they recently beat. And we're going to talk about that game briefly here. Uh, The Knicks sit at seventh right now. And they will take on the Cleveland Cavaliers tomorrow night. So there's a possibility that the Hawks, if they take care of business tonight and the Knicks lose tomorrow, 
The Hawks could move to seventh in the Eastern Conference, which would be a drastic change from 10th just a couple weeks ago. And now they are currently sitting a game and a half back from the Miami Heat, who stand at the sixth spot in the Eastern Conference. And as I said, the Hawks will be traveling up to Chicago for the first time this year to take on a Bulls team that's been playing 500 ball in the last 10 games. And I feel like I continue to say this on this program. Every game is a must win at this point. But this game, I feel, after the loss to Charlotte, is even more pivotal for chasing those above you in the Eastern Conference standings. And putting yourself in a position to not be in a play-in spot going into the playoffs. You have an opportunity to climb the standings if you continue to play at this high level and with this continuity and connectiveness and selflessness that we're playing at right now. Like I said, they've been playing some of their best basketball of the year, the last 10 games. And you have your two all-star guards playing off of each other, deferring at the right moments and sharing the ball and scoring at a high clip with both of them in the same game, really elevating this team's play. As I said, they're playing more connected on both ends of the floor. The ball movement has been great outside of the second half of that Charlotte Hornets game. They've been playing team defense. And now this team is sitting at 16th in the NBA in both offensive and defensive rating, which are both improvements from earlier this year. Right now, the Hawks are 10th in the NBA in points per game, but they're 21st in opponents' points per game. So still work to be done defensively getting stops, and that was certainly the problem versus Charlotte. But the previous three games, well, two games that we're going to talk about today was not a problem for the Hawks. They were getting stops, especially in that fourth quarters of the Mavericks in Knicks games. The three-point shooting percentage, which has been a, a hot topic, red flag the entire year, is slowly creeping up. And now the Hawks are sitting at 23rd in the NBA at three-point shooting percentage after being in the bottom three for the majority of the early part of this season. The Hawks are still in the top three in the NBA as far as taking care of the ball, not turning over the ball. But that was a problem in the Hornets game on Saturday night. The Hawks are middle of the pack as far as rebounding as a team, and it is trending in the right direction as more people are being bought in, rebounding on the glass, moving the ball, going inside out to improve efficiency from the three-point line, and focus on getting stops down the stretch. Uh, Trey Young's shot selection has gotten better. And he's averaging over 10 assists per game in the last 10 games and seems to be deferring and trusting his teammates more and the game plan a little bit more outside of the sideline exchange with Naaman Millen after his frustrations boiled over for not getting the ball inbounded in that Charlotte Hornets game at the end of the game. And that could be a decision that's on Naaman Millen. But Naaman Millen has done better lately with being more creative with his rotations and finding different lineups that works in, you know, different players that have 
chemistry alongside of each other while on the court. And right now, in the last 10 games, the Hawks are third in offensive rating. So they're certainly finding some things that are working for the better of the team. Now, as I said, I recorded this on Monday, January 23rd. There was a new Hoop Collective podcast, and that features Brian Winhorse from ESPN and Bobby Marks, a former GM in this league who is the GM insider for ESPN for the NBA. And they talked about the Hawks, again, about their front office turnover midseason and how they weren't jumping on this front office, this young front office yet. They wanted to kind of wait and see how things play out with these young guys, which is fair. It is fair. I don't like how things were handled and what led up to them. And I can be critical of that. The fact that Tony Ressler, who allowed his son, Nick Ressler, to have a little bit more say as far as Hawks business-related basketball-related decisions without any true experience and kind of undermining the authority of Travis Schlenk, who is no longer part of the organization, and his three executives that had 15, 20 years plus of NBA executive experience. So all the senior leadership is removed from the Hawks because the owner's son, Nick Ressler, has more say than those who are experienced in running an NBA team. And now, you know, what's been reported is that the Hawks are looking to add some experience to this front office, which is desperately needed. You have a bunch of young guys in the front office. And and Brian Winhorse and them made a good point. Not to say that this could not work out in Hawks' favor, but the optics look really bad and the timing and the stories and the media coverage and what I've been hearing from my sources is not great. It's not great. It is a front office in turmoil, scrambling, trying to figure out what their next steps are with no real heading and lack of experience. And certainly a cause for concern and frustration on part of fans. Fans have a right to be frustrated because this should not be taking place in the middle of the season. Your team is already not performing up to their standard outside of these last 10 games. And you have this going on behind the scenes that further distracts them and the coaching staff. And you have every right to be upset about it, frustrated, uncertain, anxious about what's to come. And certainly they need some front office experience to go alongside Landry Fields and Kyle Korver. And reportedly from the Hoop Collective, the Hawks were targeting Chris Grant, who is an executive from the San Antonio Spurs with over 25 years of executive experience in the NBA and also spent time here in Atlanta. But he pulled his name from consideration for a role here in Atlanta. And you can look at that however you want, but... When you have people pulling themselves from consideration from being a part of your organization, when you have an opening and a glaring need for their expertise, typically that's not a good sign. Typically, 
that is someone who is concerned about the organizational health of your franchise. And right now, those are questions that need to be answered. Your organizational health. I know Tony Wrestler is going to continue to find or, or search for an experienced executive to bring alongside these young guys here in Atlanta. And on a Hoop Collective, they also talked about the impending extension rules and cap room and how franchises are on pins and needles, if you would like to say, as far as trying to figure out what it's going to look like in three, two next two, three years, as far as cap room and extensions for players on their roster. And this directly does impact DeJounte Murray, who is up for an extension in the summer of 2024. Is he going to stay here or is he going to ask out and find another home? And right now, it's imperative for the NBA to figure this out as far as what direction the league is going to go financially and contractually. But it's imperative for the Hawks to stabilize their organization and improve organizational health. Figure out who's going to be the coach. Is it going to be Nate McMillan or is it going to be someone else? Find front office executives with experience to help con continue to push the organization in the right direction and hopefully retain their stars for the years to come beyond the summer of 2024. So it's something that obviously we're going to continue to monitor here in Atlanta as we have invested interest in the success of this franchise and making it an attractive place for free agents and for people to want to conduct business with us. But one thing's for certain is that a trade is impending. Despite, obviously, the success of the last 10 games, and in particularly the last five of the last six, winning five of the last six for Atlanta, is that trade rumors are still going to persist. As I said in a previous episode, they've reportedly allowed John Collins is camped to seek out trade partners. And I know that the Hawks from reports turned down the offer that Utah was wanting them to, you know, give up. They wanted, you know, a draft pick included in the package that the Hawks could package up to get Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley from Utah. And, a source close to the team reported to me that the Hawks have a list of guys that they consider to be tradable assets at this point. And right now, those guys are, and it's no surprise, John Collins is number one. Another guy that I said could be potentially traded, I felt, potentially in the trade deadline, is Bogdan Bogdanovich. Bogey could be traded, and he is on the short list of players that they have made available or intend to make available upon trade discussions leading up to the trade deadline. And Justin Holiday, who has seen a decrease in minutes as the season has gone on, and Hunter has remained healthy and played well, and Jalen Johnson has played well, and Okongwu, they brought him in for some wing depth and the young guys who you guys have been clamoring for more playing time have done their job 
and commanding more playing time and being in a rotation more so than not, it has pushed out Justin Holiday. So John Collins, Bogey, and Justin Holiday are reportedly the players that the Hawks have made available and are actively having talks, even <laughs> on the court uh, during pregame warm-ups. They're having talks amongst themselves, trying to find the right trade packages to help improve this team. So even though the Hawks have had success recently, do not be surprised if a trade still happens. Do not be surprised when John Collins has finally moved. Bogey is thrown in there. And then Justin Holiday is a name that could be floated around as a package deal with his contract to be traded out of Atlanta. Do not be surprised. I'm not surprised by any of these guys. Collins has been in rumors for the last three years. Bogey with his contract is very tradable. And with the surgence of A.J. Griffin and his durability at this point, as I knock on wood, has made Bogey expendable as he is a very streaky player. Jump shooter, you know, shooting threes, mid-range jumpers, hasn't been getting to the cup as much, coming off an injury. Injuries have been an issue for Bogey throughout his entire career, unfortunately. And he is a player that a playoff team could want to add to add some bench scoring. And it makes him particularly enticing for a team looking to add some depth on the bench. Now, people may complain about, oh, we're going to lose some shooting. Well, what are we really losing? Lately, Bogey's been struggling from the floor. Struggling from the floor. And as I pull up his numbers from the last several games, I don't think that anybody would bat an eye if he's gone. Now, you do remember the good times, the moments that Bogey gives you. And we know certainly what Bogey is capable of. When healthy, when he's on, he can score 20 points easily. Maybe give you 30 on a on an occasion where he is just hot from the field. But we haven't had that in the last several games from Bogey. And he continues to be in and out of the lineup, battling some soreness here and there. I mean, he didn't even play in the Charlotte Hornets game. He wasn't even available that game. That is, it is what it is at this point. And then when you look at the Knicks game and look at the box score and look at Bogey's numbers, he turned it on late that game. I do remember that. He did turn it on a little bit later. He ended up with 14 points, shot 50% from the floor off the bench. Two of eight from three, but two of eight from three. Okongu gave you 14. A.J. Griffin, you know, like I said, he's been playing very well as a rookie. Now, he's more of a forward, not a two guard. But let's be real. If Bogey is not knocking down shots or creating for others, he is a liability sometimes out on the floor. For a team that certainly needs to continue to get better on defense. So, like I said, push comes to shove. Bogey may be expendable. The last 10 games, he's averaging 11 points per game. He is shooting 24% from three. 
and under 38% from the floor. Good news is, Bogey, I don't think, is on the injury report tonight, and he usually has good games against the Bulls. Hopefully he can break out of his slump, but the last 10 games, he's been, it's been a rough go at it. It's been a rough go at it. And this year, although he's averaging more points than his career average, he is below his career average in steals, below his career average in assists this year. He's at his career average in free throws percentage. He's below average in threes, and he's below average in field goal percentage this year. Bogey may be on the chopping block, and from reports, he is. We'll see what is to come of, you know, leading up to the trade deadline as rumors and what could be out there and packages that may be available because some things are not settled for other franchises. They may have disgruntled players that have not made it known and or contracts expiring or people about to hit free agency this offseason and people want to offload, you know, the players and rather get some value for them. Who knows? There's some time before a decision needs to be made, but that's the talks behind closed door at this point. So we're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to talk about the success of DeJounte Murray and Trey Young recently, the last few games, and then preview the Chicago Bulls matchup tonight. But you already know the drill first. This quick plug. Okay, listeners, it's time to talk a little fantasy hoops. Now, I don't know about you. I'm in several fantasy leagues, and every fantasy league that you are in, you have a rival. Pokemon, Ash Ketchum had Gary, and I know you have your Gary out there. So it's time to beat Gary and get the insight that you need to take your stuff to the next level and win a fantasy basketball championship. Do you remember who led you to Tyrese Halliburton, DeJounte Murray, Terry Rozier, and Mikhail Bridges? Before any other rank list, I know which one, it's the Brewskis 150. And you probably turn those huge wins into some cash or a fantasy basketball championship. This year, the Brewski 150 is on sale for a limited time. And Ethos 360 subscribers can get access in less than a week. Head to sportsethos.com. And click on the premium tab to grab membership information or the draft guide today. And yes, to answer your most important question, the Brewski 150 is included in both options. Check back daily for more new features and go dominate your leagues. Beat Gary with the help of Sports Ethos. All right, and we are back during this little five-game winning streak, Dejon Trey has been trending on Twitter around in Atlanta. People are loving that, hey, the light has finally gone off, it seems like, playing alongside of each other for DeJounte Murray and Trey Young. I mean, obviously, DeJounte Murray, he was up for Eastern Conference Player of the Week this week. He did not win, but he's certainly been on an offensive tear lately. From the second half of that Indiana game till now, he has been performing at a high level. And ironically, as I continue to bring up, since that player's only meeting before the Indiana game, the Hawks are 5-1 and one since then. 
playing very well. The last four games, DeJounte Murray is averaging 28 points per game, shooting 60% from the floor, 58% from three, averaging six and a half assists per game, five rebounds per game, and 2.3 steals per game. Playing like an all-star. Certainly worth all-star votes from that stretch. And I think he's an all-star in general. I don't think he'll get it this year. As, you know, he's had good numbers this year. But, you know, people are going to be caught up with the backcourt in Cleveland. And, you know, Drew Holiday has some consideration for as an all-star as a guard. And there's others in the Eastern Conference that, you know, I'm not thinking of right now. Some people may say Jalen Brunson, obviously Tyrese Halliburton playing at an all-star level. You can't forget Levine, who continues to get all-star votes. So I don't know if DeJounte Murray necessarily gets in the all-star game this year, but certainly has been playing very, very well as of late. Like I said, those last four games, averaging over 28 points per game. And then when you look at his last 10 games, He's averaging 22 points per game, 1.7 steals per game, just under six assists per game, over five rebounds a game, shooting 82% from the free throw line, just under 45% from three and 50% from the floor. Last 10 games playing great, playing great. And then Trey Young, who has really been playing well lately too. Uh, really since mid-December, Trey Young has really picked it up and Obviously, I've been critical of him on this program. You know, the media has, and rightfully so. You are the face of the franchise. You are held to a higher standard. You have to lead these guys, and you have to play better. Do things to help get this team playing their best ball and push for a playoff run. You have to. And the last... 10 games, Trey Young's averaging just under 26 points per game, under two steals a game, nine assists, shooting just under 91% from the free throw line, shooting just under 37% from three, an improvement from early in the season when he was hovering around 31% from three. It was a real rough go at it. Shooting 47% from the floor. And compared to for the entire regular season, when you're comparing number, his points are down in the last 10 games, but it's been deferring to DeJounte Murray. Turnovers are slightly up, which he needs to continue to improve at. But playing better defensively, like I said, he's had a one steal per game for the last several games. And I want to say it's like six or seven games. He's had at least a steal in the game. But his steals are up in the last 10 games from the regular season average from this year. His assists are a little bit down, but DeJounte Murray's assists are up. So it's a little bit of give and take there. His free throw percentage is higher in the last 10 games than what he's been shooting the entire season. Three-point shooting percentage is up almost five percentage points for this regular season. He was Right now, he's been shooting just under 32% from three this year. And like I said, the last 10 games, he's just under 37%. So shooting better from three, shooting better from the floor. So Trey Young has been playing better and like I said, it has really been a step in the right direction as far as maturity and growth on Trey Young's part to 
get DeJounte Murray going, defer to him a little bit more, picking and choosing the right moments to take certain shots and be aggressive and attack or find your, you know, your teammates and get them in rhythm. Things that we've been clamoring for Trey Young to do, he is starting to do recently. And that is the key for success. Trey playing smart offensively, trusting his teammates, utilizing them, keeping them within a rhythm, within a flow, because it's going to take the team to make a run. It's not all on Trey. And that's something that he has to continue to realize as the season progresses. And that's what I've been seeing. He's been trusting more. He's been deferring more. He's been picking and choosing his moments a little bit better. Now, shot selection can always improve, especially some of the jacket-up threes trying to respond to a shot on the other end of the floor. You don't need those. You need to run the offense. You need to trust, run the offense. You know, Hunter's getting it going lately. Get the ball to Hunter. You know, DeJounte Murray's been cooking lately. Get it down in the post. Those little things, that's the things that need to continue to occur with Trey Young while continuing to find his shot and score. And obviously, DeJounte Murray continue to be aggressive offensively and create for others. And as I continue to say, DeAndre Hunter is, by default, your third leading scorer on this team this year. In the last 10 games, he's averaging 18 points per game, five rebounds a game, shooting 85% from the free throw line, 43% from three, 50% from the floor, all above his career averages. And so he's having his best year as a Hawk in the NBA this year. And we're seeing more consistency from DeAndre Hunter. And as people continue to elevate their play, Trey Young needs to continue to trust them and enable them if you want to continue to see maintain success for this Hawks team. So it's been really great to see Trey and DeJounte starting to figure it out, playing off of each other and playing for the team and not themselves. So those things need to continue to happen. And since we last recorded, we missed a few games, three games to be exact. The last time I recorded, I talked about how the Hawks continue to underperform and not show up in midweek ESPN games and their struggles in Dallas going against Luka Doncic. Well, that was not the case last Wednesday night. They won an an ESPN midweek game against Luka Doncic in Dallas. That was a huge win. Great team win. DeJounte Murray really put the team on his back. Trey Young made great decisions down the stretch. Great team basketball to win 130-122. And you knew Luka was going to do Luka things, but the Hawks as a team, they hung tough. They hung tough, had a really good fourth quarter, outscoring the Mavericks 32-25 in the fourth. They shot 57% from the floor, and the Mavericks defense was just porous all night. And the Hawks took advantage of it. And it started off in the first quarter. Hawks put up 40 in the first quarter on Mavs. The Mavs did return the favor with 37 in that first quarter. Then points kind of dropped off in the second quarter. Both scored 25 points. Mavs and Hawks did go back and forth in the third quarter before, obviously, the fourth quarter where the Hawks won and ended up winning by eight. 
Like I said, Hawks shot 57% from the floor, 50% from three. Only missed one free throw all night. Out-rebounded the Mavericks. They were moving the ball around. 28-team assists, which is what I love to see. They took care of the ball. Only 12 turnovers compared to 16 for the Mavericks. They won points in the paint. So they did pretty much everything they needed to do to win the game. You know, as far as stats goes, and you know Luka Doncic is going to be Luka Doncic. He had his 30 points. Uh, Dinwiddie, obviously he's a professional scorer. He had 20 points, 7 assists. I'd be remiss if I didn't say. Uh, 8 assists, 4 rebounds for Luka Doncic, but did have 7 turnovers. So he had 10 turnovers between Dinwiddie and Doncic. Christian Wood did his thing, 22 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks. Finney Smith gave him nine, but wasn't efficient from the floor. Dwight Powell only gives you six. Reggie Bullock, who Trey Young is very familiar with, had a really good game, 18 points off the bench. But it, in the end, it came down to having eight Hawks in double digits. It was team basketball. Eight Hawks in double digits. Everybody who touched the floor scored for the Atlanta Hawks. DeJounte Murray, 30-point performance that game. Four three-pointers, seven rebounds, four assists, one steal. Trey Young had 18 points, 12 assists, three steals. Only had four turnovers, which is a win. Only took one three-point attempt, which was off. But eight free-throw attempts made all eight of them. So maybe not crazy scoring from the floor, but really great at getting the ball out. 12 assists that game. DeAndre Hunter had 11. Okongu had 11. John Collins had 19 and 5, two blocks and three assists, so a really good game from JC. Off the bench, AJ Griffin gave you 10. Capella gave you 16 off the bench, six rebounds to go with it. Bogey had 12 points. Still not uber efficient from the floor, but had five assists, three rebounds. So, like I said, Bogey gives you value if he's scoring and creating for others. And we saw that against the Mavs. And then Jalen Johnson only played six minutes, but had three points, a steal, a rebound, and assist. So was productive in those six minutes. But team basketball, eight players in double digits, spread out attack, and that's what led to 130 points on the Mavericks. So you had a really good game against the Mavericks. And then you turn around and you take on the New York Knicks who embarrassed you the last time you played them. And how did you return the favor? You hung 130 on the Knicks behind a dominant fourth quarter performance. That was the the difference in that game. It was a back and forth game. You know, Knicks came out swinging. You know, Julius Randle did his thing. You know, Brunson had a solid game. But in the end, it was your ability to get stops in a 20 to 4 fourth quarter run to Put this game away. You outscored the Knicks 37 to 23 in the fourth quarter. And the turning point, I feel like, was that challenge that Tibbs lost late in the third quarter that took away a timeout. So they had only two timeouts for the fourth quarter. So they did not have the ability to stop the Hawks when they were in the midst of that long run in the fourth quarter. And they asked DeJounte Murray post game about playing well alongside Trey Young. And he said that. We want the best for each other and the best for our teammates. We've got to be consistent. We have to continue to want 
the best for each other and continue to make our teammates better. And certainly that was the case in that Dallas game. And that was also the case in that game versus the New York Knicks. I mean, you put up 139 points on the New York Knicks, who are known to be a really good defensive team. You gave up 124, but in the end, if you score more points to the other team, that's all that really matters. That all that really matters. And they continue to shoot well from the floor as a team. 56% from the floor in that game for the Hawks. Knicks did shoot 59%. So, like I said, defense still needs to be worked on a little bit, but they're certainly in a rhythm offensively. And even in the Charlotte Hornets loss, they were in a rhythm offensively as well. Defense is what they really need to hone on. Hawks shot 38% from the floor, 87, just under 88% from the free throw line. Out rebounded the Knicks by five, 27 team assists, which is great. Only seven turnovers for the Hawks. Big kudos there because they did not do that in the Hornets game. They did not take care of the ball well at all. They outscored the Knicks in the paint. Julius Randle, as I said, did his thing. He led the charge for the Knicks. 32 points for him, 9 rebounds, 6 assists. R.J. Barrett had 23 points. Jalen Brunson had 19. Jericho Sims with 12 points, 8 rebounds, 2 steals. Quentin Grimes with 10 points. And then the leading scorer off of the bench was Emmanuel quickly. Surprise, surprise, 11 points for him. But then when you look at the Hawks, again, they had three players score 20 points or more. And you had six players in double digits. 29 points for DeJounte Murray, leading scorer again. Had 12 assists, three steals. Trey Young added 27 points, six assists for him. 20 points for DeAndre Hunter, 17 for John Collins. He did have nine rebounds as well to go along with a steal and a block. Capella gave you seven points and nine rebounds with plus 15 and a plus minus. So positive effect. Great to have Capella back from injury. Okongu still did his thing off the bench. 14 points, seven rebounds, three blocks, 14 points for Bogey, who I said really got to go in that, that fourth quarter. Also had two assists. And then a few people here and there scored three for A.J. Griffin, three for Jalen Johnson, five for Aaron Holiday. So almost everybody got to play, but great offensive performance. And as I said, defense is what the only thing that I would like to see be a little bit better for the Hawks because they did turn around. And then I said they lost that game against the Charlotte Hornets, which we already talked a little bit about. And you can complain about the bad call at the end that should have not been called on Terry, on Jalen Johnson fouling Terry Rozier, which led them to lose the game. You can blame that. You can blame Naaman Millen for selecting the wrong inbounder, having Trey Young inbound instead of having Jalen Johnson inbound a bigger, taller person on that last possession for the Hawks, which led to obviously Trey Young not being able to inbound the ball, get a five-second violation, and obviously led to a heated exchange between him and Naaman Millen just being frustrated at the end of the game. You can point to Nate McMillan. But you have to point to if you to keep yourself from being in those positions. You had to play better in the second half, and you didn't. You didn't play well in the second half. You were outscored by 20 points. You let the Charlotte Hornets in the State Farm Arena outscore you by 20 points in the second half. 73 points. They gave up in the second half. 
They had a 19-point lead that just evaporated. That's defense. That's defense. And then you get a little bit, you know, overconfident because you've won five in a row. And you've played a lot of games. And I'm going to go back to that point right there. But you have 19, sorry, 18 turnovers, which is inexcusable, against a 13-win team at home in the Charlotte Hornets. You allow the Hornets to score 21 points off your 18 turnovers. That's inexcusable. As I said, 73 points you gave up in the second half. That's inexcusable. You get outscored 24 to 9 in a fast break. That's inexcusable. This is the first game all year the Hawks shot over 51% from the floor and lost. Because you can't take care of the ball. You weren't getting stops in the second half. You weren't as engaged as you were in the first half to get you out to that 19-point lead. Even though you had great offensive performances, you had three players score 25 points or more. It was Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, and DeAndre Hunter. Three players scored 25 points or more. Yet six players in double digits shot 54% from the floor and 44% from three and lost. Why? Because your defense failed you. The inability to get stops. You luckily had that surge against the Knicks to win that game and close out that game, but you got to learn in the wins so you don't have those mistakes appear in the losses. And yes, it was the second out of a back-to-back. High-scoring game. And maybe they were a little bit tired. They certainly reverted back to their old ways. The ball movement wasn't as prevalent in the second half. Like I said, they played a ton of games. In the last eight ga- eight days, they played six games. So, tough stretch. As I said, second out of a back-to-back. And maybe that had more to do with, you know, their lack of ability to get stops and maybe being more fatigued in that second half against the Hornets. But certainly, it's a game they should have won. And outside of that call at the end of the game, there were things that the Hawks could have done to change the outcome, and make it six games in a row instead of ending at five with a bad taste in your mouth going into tonight's game on NBA TV against the Chicago Bulls. Right now, that season series for the Bulls is tied one-to-one. Both games ended on buzzer beaters here in Atlanta, and this will be the Hawks' first trip up to United Center in Chi-Town. The Bulls currently sit at 10th in the Eastern Conference. They are currently 13th in points per game, 18th in opponents' points per game. They're 17th in offensive rating in the NBA, 14th in defensive rating. They're towards the bottom half of the league in three-pointers made and attempted like the Hawks. But unlike the Hawks, they are 10th. They're in the top 10 in three-point shooting percentage, top five in field goal percentage. And similar to the Hawks, they do not get to the free throw line a lot but shoot a high percentage from the charity stripe when they get there. They're top five in the NBA there. They're not a great rebounding team, nor a high assist team, but they do take care of the ball. They're good at forcing turnovers, but they're one of the worst teams in the NBA at guarding the three-point line. They allow teams to shoot a high percentage from two-point range. So this will need to be a team basketball game plan for Atlanta Inside out attack, ball movement, try to open up things from beyond the three point line, get you some clean looks. 
rebound as a team, take care of the ball, which they did not do against Charlotte, and contesting shots. Those are the big things they need to do. Unlike the last two games, even though they're 1-1 one one in those two games, you have to get stops, especially in the second half. You know what DeMar DeRozan is capable of. You know what Zach Levine is capable of. You know, Vucevic, what he can do. And he's, you know, he had two bad games against the Hawks earlier this year, but has been playing better lately. Patrick Williams has been solid this year, averaging about 10 points per game, but shooting 42% from three. You got Ayo DeSumo, Alex Caruso, Kobe White, Drummond, who had a really good game last time against the Hawks. It's not a great roster, but they are a team that really matches them well with the Hawks. So the Hawks must view this game tonight, in my opinion, as a playing game. I want to see some urgency after that bad loss on Saturday. I want to see some revenge factor after that buzzer beater here in Atlanta. I want to see playoff-like intensity in this game, going into a hostile environment up in the United Center and go out there and take care of business while playing team basketball. Team basketball. I want to see seven players in double digits. I want to see that number again. I want to see Trey Young and DeJounte Murray combine for about 14, 15 assists and combine for just seven turnovers, if that. Those are the things that I want to see. That's what I'm interested in seeing. Them taking care of business, playing team basketball, and playing with high intensity. This is an NBA TV game tonight, so it's going to be nationally televised. 8 p.m. Eastern time tip-off. And they need to continue to send a message to the league that regardless of what's going on in our front office, there's a resurgence in as far as on-court play for Atlanta and show that that Charlotte loss was a fluke. And it really was just a bad call at the end, even though there was things you could have done better. Because we already have fans reverting back to saying, fire Naaman Miller. Oh, the old Hawks are back. That winning streak was a fluke. Frauds. Fraudulent activity. I'll tell you one thing. This Hawks team's not focused on your narrative. They're not listening to you on Twitter. They don't care about what you have to say. That fire Naaman Miller rah-rah, they don't care about that. They're focused on the play on the court, and that's what you want from this team. You don't want them to listen to you, you know, have your highs and lows and your ups and downs in the middle of the game saying, oh, we suck, here we go again, and then, you know, hooray, we won, but then not credit the appropriate people at the end of the game. They're not listening to that bull crap at all. They're focusing on themselves, and I want to see where DeJounte Murray and Trey Young continue to talk about focusing on what they can control. I want to see them control their intensity and their effort and their execution tonight and take care of business up in Chicago. Like I said, I want to see a high level of intensity like I saw the second half against the Knicks, like I saw that Mavericks game. There's only three games the Hawks play this week. Tonight versus Chicago on the road. Then you travel on the road down to Oklahoma City and take on a solid Thunder team who you lost to last time on Wednesday. Trey Young will be back home in Oklahoma, which he always shows out in front of the home crowd. But hopefully team effort, have Trey have his big numbers. They defer to Trey, but obviously everybody steps up as well, and you put away the thunder. And then after that, your next game is until Saturday when you come home and take on the Clippers. So you have some days rest after two tough road games. I'm going to say tough road games before you take on a Clippers team that you've already beaten this year, and you got them at home now. 
Now, after that, it'll be tough because they're going to travel probably as soon as they play the Clippers game Saturday night up to Portland and then get ready for a five-game West Coast road trip, which we'll talk about a little bit later this week. Each week is pivotal for the Hawks. Each game is pivotal, especially with the logjam Eastern Conference. So this is why tonight is so important to reset themselves after that loss and set the tone for the rest of the week. You know what Levine and DeMar DeRozan are going to do. Take the fight to them tonight. Like I said, I want to see a playing game intensity. I want to see what we saw when they went up to Cleveland in a playing game last year to get into the playoffs. That's the type of performance I want to see from the Hawks. Outside of a Clint Capella injury and some other players, you know, faltering to the wayside. You're a better roster, in my opinion, than last year. You are a better roster. You're starting to show that. Show it again. Reinvigorate your locker room after that disappointing loss. And show people again on national television the Hawks are surging in the right direction. Regardless of what's going on in the front office, that mess those rumors, whatever is going on, they're going to control what they can control, and that's winning ball games. And hopefully they can win a few ball games this week before going our west. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But if you love what you heard from me today, give us five stars, give us a good review, share it and tell everybody about the hottest podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. You know the drill. Share with fellow Hawks fans, NBA fans, Georgia sports fans, basketball fans. Does not matter. You want to learn about the Hawks? You know someone who does? Put them onto the program. Have them follow us on Twitter at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. That's at Ethos Hawks. And follow myself, Brad Jarrett67 on Twitter. That's Brad J A R R E T T 67. We'll catch you guys next time. Let's go, Hawks, and beat the Bulls. Beat the Bulls. Time to rebound, Hawks. Time to rebound.